And Father, just use this message, uh, use this time around your word to accomplish your purpose. I know, Lord, that one of the things that means the most to all of us here is the family that you have helped us to be a part of. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we talk about parenting today, as we talk about that relationship with uh, our kids and vice versa, I just pray, Lord, that you would just let that begin to be healed because you are a part of it. And Lord, as we have been talking about, you are our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? What relationship problem should we ever be afraid of? Because you are with us. And so this day, Lord, may your will be done in our lives and may your power be displayed as well in our relationships today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said, amen. Okay, so before you sit down, everybody turn and look at at least two or three people today. Make eye contact beyond the math. Don't look at the person next to you. Don't you dare do that and count them. Look to somebody you haven't seen in a few days and turn and say hello. Give them a Wakanda hug. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Do that kind of thing. You know, do the namaste. You know, whatever it is, but you guys see one another, welcome each other. And even if you're at home doing this thing via live stream, turn to somebody and tell them that you love them right now today. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Thank you. Worship team, thank you so much. Naeem, thank you so much. Appreciate you, my friend, and appreciate uh, the, the leadership that you have with the worship team. Good morning, EHC family. Seeing some new faces each week, and it is always a blessing to see your beautiful face here. And uh, yeah, I'm talking to you, whoever you are, and then you're thinking, I wonder if he's talking about my beautiful face. I'm talking about your beautiful face. It is good to see you. Now listen, hey, if you realized last week we had problems, let me explain something. YouTube made a change in its settings, and so if you recognize that last week's live stream uh, did not go out as a live stream, just understand that had to do with the things that were going on on YouTube's side. They changed their settings. Everything that we have done since the beginning of the pandemic and even before the pandemic, which we were streaming our services, um, that has always worked until last Sunday at 1025. And uh, even today, as we reset all of those settings and began to get those back in place, it still took us 25 minutes to get that stuff set up after we'd done some Google searches to know that it wasn't just us. So I'm sorry about that. One of the ways that you can remedy that is come back. I'm just saying, all right, I'm just putting that out there. We didn't have any glitches here. Can I get an amen from the people in the actual house today, all right? So you can come back, and we'd love to see you. You're socially distanced. All of you guys are almost six foot apart. Uh, Shelly has been socially distancing for the last seven months. It's been her favorite time of her entire life. I'm like, hey, baby. And she's like, six foot. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yet, strangely, we still had children, um, and that's what I'm talking about today, fearless parenting. want to talk about fearing less and finding peace in a world full of anxiety. And let me just share this at the very beginning. Before I even get into what I'm going to be sharing with you, I love what Abraham Lincoln once said. He said, you know, when I was young, I had no children and five theories about what made a great parent. He said, now as I'm older, I have five children and no theories about what makes a great parent, you know? And that is so true. This is beyond a shadow of a doubt true in all of our lives. And you can 
hear me right now at the very beginning of this message and understand that you can be a great parent and things don't turn out the way that you had hoped with your children because your child has freedom of the will. And so you can't undo that. I can't undo that. And let's just be very, very clear. If you don't hear anything else I say, as I talk about fearless parenting, just understand that God put his children Adam and Eve in a perfect situation without even a sinful nature to deal with in the Garden of Eden, and yet they did not do what God had told them to do, and they rebelled against a perfect Heavenly Father. And let's just understand that none of us here are perfect as parents. Can we just get an amen right now and an amen in the chat? I mean, man, they don't come with a user's manual. I wish they did, right? Unfortunately, there's lots of things out there that tell you how to use it, how to do it, how to parent correctly, and they're not necessarily always correct. But today, from Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to look at that passage of Scripture and see what God does with us as His children and how He gets the best of us as well as draws us close to Himself, which is what we're trying to do anyway. So real quickly, as you're finding Hebrews 4, you can look at these upcoming teachings. They're up here on the screen. Last week, if you did miss that, let me just share with you. All right, I'm not going to sit here, try to toot my own horn, but I will tell you, I was blessed by a new view of a new you. Because if you've ever struggled with what's in here and it kind of shackling you with fear, this is something that will talk directly to the idea of bringing your mind and your thought life under control and refusing to let fears get a hold of you. This today, October 18th, this lesson that we're going to be talking about is fearless parenting. October 25th, fearless relationships as we talk about this next week. And then November 1st, fearless, a new worldview. And that will be all about those things which we might be worrying about when it comes to what's going on in our world. And if you don't know, if you haven't been following along, if today is your first day to kind of tune in or haven't tuned in in a while, we are going through the Fear Virus book, which is uh, right here. Uh, it's by Ed Young. It's available on Amazon and Audible if you're an Audible person. And in this book, he talks about this fear acronym, and that fear acronym is False Evidence Appearing Real. And the truth is, is that for you and for me in our relationship with our kids, that false evidence appearing real, that fear, and you can kind of grasp and understand when that does happen, you might think to yourself, there's no way for me to undo what's been done in my parenting relationship. I screwed up and I can't undo it. Can I just tell you guys something? I share this with you a lot and I want to make sure that you hear. Here is what I have found in my dealings with people. It's a very interesting and kind of a unique dynamic when you are dealing with someone who knows that they're facing the end of their life. I served as a hospice chaplain for a few years when I couldn't necessarily afford to be paid my salary here at the church. And for about four years, I was a part of the hospice world and working as a chaplain. And so I would literally talk with people and visit with them and talk to them about at the end of your life, who is it that you want to reconnect with? Who is it that you want to build bridges and reconnect those things that you've done wrong to today? How do you want to leave this world? Do you want to leave it in such a way that you're leaving behind good memories, not just the, the negative ones? And it's a very unique circumstance. It really is when you know you've only got maybe a few weeks or months to live and you begin to undo those things 
that you know you only have a short amount of time to undo. You begin to say some of those things that you knew you had all the time in the world to say, and then suddenly you realize that's not true. Actually, you only have a limited amount of time to say these things. And so I will tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, people who have been estranged for decades at times, have wanted to leave this world in a place where they have been reconciled with their kids. They also, beyond a shadow of a doubt, have children who say, I can't believe mom or dad is going to be on hospice. Their time is short. I'm going to get serious about reconciling with them. And it happens all the time. And I can tell you, I've heard some crazy things that happen to kids when they were young. Some bad parenting decisions and bad parenting choices that got changed and began to get better, even if just for a short amount of time. There was healing that was available. If you are not clear on this, just understand, even if you failed in the past or even if you don't feel confident in what you do now, I'm here to tell you that ultimately the truth is, is that you can bring these things about that you might need to see in your own life. Don't give up because God's still giving you time. Now, very quickly, we are going to talk about this, and I want to just share a couple of things with you. I think there's a, if you've ever had to deal with this kind of attitude, especially dealing with children right now, you know, when your kids interrupt you on Zoom and you turn to them and say, I will kill you, you know, if you're in that place, look, we're not going to pretend any perfect parents are here. Just, just the ones here, right? Amen. Just these here today, those of you at home, you know, you're not, I know, but... No, seriously, all kidding aside, none of us are perfect parents. All of us have things that we need to learn, and we are going to be talking about that. I think Eric already mentioned foundational principles of fearless parents. That's the Bible study that's starting at 715, and we're going to be going through this book called Parenting, two chapters at a time. And so if you want to get ahead of the curve, read chapters in the intro, chapters one and two, and then we'll be covering chapters one and two. Also want to mention to you one of the best moms I know in the world, and that's not a joke and that's not hyperbole, is my wife. And she'll be talking about some incredibly practical things the second through the seventh week. And so don't miss out on those things. Very quickly, I believe that's the, in, uh, the info. Actually, turn back one if you don't mind on that screen. You can search for back Backstage Eagle. We're going to put those up on YouTube. There's my phone number one more time. You can ask me a question and we'll make sure and t- cover that topic and it will be confidential. But that's our Zoom code 111-843-228. You log on to zoom.us and then put in that code. You'll come into our Zoom room and we'll get started 715, actually about 705 to 710. We'll be on there. All right, so I know that some of you are look, listening to all this information. I know that some of you will want to go deep. Some of you are in an emergency situation with your kids and you really want to, you know, kind of go deeper and make sure that you're improving. Some of you may not feel that way. And some of you may even think, well, you know, my kids are gone. They're out of the house. And so what does that even matter to me? Well, here's what I would say. Maybe it's even more important than ever for you to understand how to do it right when it comes to parenting. Because you don't have the day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day-to-day influence anymore. Now, in my situation, all of my kids are living out of state. All three of them going to school in a different state right now as we speak. And here's what I tell you. I want every single interaction that I do now to be more purposeful and more intentional than ever before. So if you don't have kids at home, it doesn't mean that they're ceasing to be your kids. It just means that you better be more intentional because you get fewer shots at it. So make 
make sure you're making them count when you do. And I want to just begin by sharing with you, if you will not go deep with the book, if you will not be a part of those things that are going on on Wednesday, you're missing an opportunity to make a huge impact. But here's what I would say. If you don't do anything else, go and listen to what's called the Paul David Tripp podcast. And it literally is a 45-minute podcast that will be some of the most powerful lessons that you will ever learn. And it is absolutely powerful information that could change the entire course of your life. Now, if you see this up on the screen, you see this guy up in the left-hand corner. What a stash, right? I mean, what a mustache on that guy. And I know this, this is episode 23 that came out September 23rd in 2019. It's called Foundations of a Godly Home. I know this, I would never be so shallow as to say that I will never look quite so distinguished as that because I can't grow that kind of mustache. But I will just say I can at least buy the horn rim glasses and today I'm wearing the horn rim glasses so hopefully you'll listen to me and think, wow, what an intellectual person, right? So here it is. I'm sorry. This is all that I can do. All right. No mustache for me. But here is one of the quotes that gives you an idea of Paul David Tripp and how good he is and how much he has to say. Let's check this out. He says, what could be more important in all of life than to be God's tool on site for the formation of a human soul? How incredibly important is that? And he is so right. There's nothing in the world that you will do in your life than be a great parent or be a great grandparent, be a great uncle or aunt to a child who might need you. And just be clear, some of you, you're not a parent, you're not a grandparent, but you're making an impact and an influence on somebody who needs people like that to, uh, to value them and put them as important in their life. Very quickly, I think all parents want some of the same exact things. And we're going to cover these things, and I, I'm just, I'm not speaking for you, but I think I probably am, you know, to a certain degree, hitting a spot that feels about the same for you as it does for me. I came up with four things that I think all parents basically want. What parents and grandparents want, they first of all want that child to love God, love others, and love themselves at a healthy level, right? Then secondly, they want them to come home when they don't have to come home. Right? Think about that. When your kids leave home, you want them to want to come and see you and be a part of your life, even when they don't have to. Uh, And so that's important to you. It's important to me. The third thing on this next slide is uh, up here. They, They make good choices when I'm not around to police them. When I'm not there to say, don't you dare, they still think to themselves, I better not dare. Right? I mean, that's important. Or what about this fourth one, that they actually reach the potential that they have in their life? I think if you gave me at the beginning when I was holding little Tori, little Taryn, little Tatum in my arms whenever I was dealing with them in their nurseries, if you would have said, Randy, fast forward, these are the four things that I can promise you or guarantee you in your child, I'd say, sign me up, that's as good as it gets and that's as good as I could possibly hope for. We'll come back to these and how the scriptures apply to them in just a little bit, but I think these are good places for us to start. And here's this something to learn from Hebrews chapter 4 that we're going to read in just a few minutes. Hebrews chapter 4 is a very familiar passage of scripture. I'm not going to quote it perfectly, but let me give you a good idea of what it says. It says, Therefore, since we have a high priest that is in all points tempted as we are, let us come boldly before the throne of grace so that we might receive the good that God has for us. 
We have confidence as we come before the Lord and all of these things that he provides because Jesus walked in our shoes. And so this is what we're going to share and read and look a little deeper on. But as you look in Hebrews chapter 4, it reminds us that one of the biggest issues at work in our children that we as a parent often forget is this. We all have a sin nature that we have to overcome. For you and for me as parents, we can't forget that our children are dealing with something that we might have already begun to learn how to deal with and push back. We all know that we're not perfect at this. But even if we've gained some mastery, that does not mean that you failed as a parent if your child is dealing with sin. Now, I'm going to say that one more time so you can get ready to say amen, because here's the deal. If you have a child that's dealing with sin, it doesn't mean that you have failed as a parent, amen? Because the truth is, is that we dealt with it. We had great parents, parents who did a good job for us, and yet they still, we still had to figure it out for ourselves. And very quickly, Paul David Tripp's quote that I'm going to share a few different ones throughout the week, uh, lesson this week. Here is a great one, um, and it's right here. If all your children needed was a set of rules and commiserate set of punishments to go along with it, then Jesus never actually needed to come and die. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. If all it was was these are the rules and these are the consequences, that if that would fix the, the, the humanity of mankind, then Jesus didn't actually have to come and die. But you know as well as I know in my life and yours that we needed something more than just these are the rules and these are the problems and the consequences. Because the thing that fires my soul, the thing that fires me up like nothing else is to know that I was the rule breaker and this was the consequence that I deserved. And Jesus stepped in and said, no, 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 not this time. Not this time. This is my child and I want something else for him. And that's the thing that changed my life forever. And if you were a Christian, it probably is the thing that you need to remember or you would say along with me, that is what changed my life forever. It's not a set of rules and consequences that makes you a great parent. It's understanding that rules and consequences don't meet, don't meet at all and don't reach your kids the way that other things will. And here's a great picture, a great real life example of what it looks like to have law and mercy in effect in your parenting. It's a mini movie that I want you guys to check out. So let's check it out right here. Hey son. Hey. Did you get it all done? Yeah, that pre-calc assignment took a lot longer than I thought it would. Pre-calc. Speaking of math, you know what's odd to me? Numbers that aren't divisible by two. <laughs> Why? Hey, you don't get it? Like, odd numbers aren't divisible no, no, by two. No, I, I got the joke, just why? Because it's funny. <laughs> Come on. You want to turn on your phone and we'll pray? Dad, why do we keep doing this? I, I mean, I'm old enough now. You can trust me with this kind of stuff. Why are we doing this? Okay, um, good question. Phones are great, they really are. But they can also be a distraction and a temptation. And so me, taking your phone at night is not some my house, my rules kind of thing. I'm trying to help you develop good habits. You gotta know this, there's, there's a battle going on, son. 
a battle for the allegiance of your soul, your heart, and your mind. And you don't ever age out of it. So we're just trying to better prepare you for a battle you're going to be fighting the rest of your life. I guess I get that, but... Dad, I'm not a kid anymore. You can trust me. I don't even trust myself. I love that movie because it does a great job of sharing that it's not all about rules and it's not all about just simply mercy. It is about finding the wisdom between the law and mercy when it comes to dealing with our kids. And that is how you reach the heart of your child. Here's the second something to learn today. Hebrews chapter 4 gives us great insight into how our Heavenly Father attracts His children to Himself and how He extracts those things that are best from his children. And in one single word, to all bring it together, it's the word mercy. It's the word mercy. And before you say, but Randy, listen, I don't want to be a permissive parent. I don't want to be a parent who doesn't have a a control on his child or a, a say in what is going on with his child. Let me just say this. In the passage of scripture in Luke chapter 15, when we see God the Father depicted as a person who is a parent, what is told to us? It tells us that the, the prodigal son left him and yet came back. And when he came back, he didn't say, listen, let's go through the list of rules that you've, you've broken. Rule A, A, B, B, A. You know, like none of that happened. Instead, he fell on his neck and he kissed him and he said, this son of mine who was lost has been found. He was dead and now is alive. If you want your children and your relationship with your children to come alive, it is not going to be through a set of rules and consequences. It's because you have invested and poured into their life and that you have gone beyond just the rules and consequences and you've embraced them and said it's about you as a child. And let me just say, it is important for us to grasp and understand that ultimately we've got a whole lifetime with them when they're young We can do everything that's needed to do in developing the person that we have there in front of us and before us, but we have to get serious about it. And you can't constantly be permissive, but you also can't always be the person who says rules, 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 and never an exception. Here is the big idea. When we're parenting, we have to never forget that it is ultimately about stewardship and not ownership. Now, let's do a quick little survey here. How many of you in here call them my kids, you know, my daughter, my son, whatever? This isn't bad. Okay, I'm not going to judge you because I promise you, you heard me do it earlier in this sermon. I talked about my three daughters, right? So how many of you in here call them your kids, my kids? You know, that's how we do, right? Because they're ours. They're our responsibility, but it is always important for us to be reminded they, they are not your kids, they're God's kids. 
who he has loaned to you to raise. Now, hold, hold up. Hold up. I wish he would have taken care of them himself because they would have turned out a lot better. Amen, right? I mean, we know that. But since he entrusted them to you, you had better take it serious. You had better say more than, well, I'm just not a good dad. (laughs) Sorry. Or, you know, I'm just not a great mom. That's just not what I do. I have my priorities in other places. That's where I put my priorities. So that's important, not these things. Man, I mean, think about this. If God gave you those children, and Psalm chapter 127 reminds us that they are gifts from him to us and that they are a stewardship that we will give back to God and say, this is your child. You gave them to me to raise them and develop them and develop their character. And hopefully as I release them, they love you above all other things. These are the things that he has given to us as a stewardship, but they are not ownership. That is really important that we understand. Let's look at that Psalm chapter 127 passage. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And man, I'm telling you, I have quivers full on my mama's side. Uh, 14 brothers and sisters. <gasps> yes, 14 brothers and sisters. I don't know if they knew what caused children to be born. No, they were not Roman Catholic. Okay, I don't know what was going on there. I just know 14 <laughs> brothers and sisters. I can't imagine buying clothes for kids going back to school with 14 of them. But my goodness, quiver full of them are a blessing. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Let's talk a little bit further and go a little deeper on that big idea expanded just a little bit. It's this. Ownership means it's all mine and it all benefits me. Stewardship says this child is to benefit others. It's not about me. It's to benefit others. Ownership says it all depends on me. Every bit of what has to happen for this child is my decision, my problem, my responsibility. And I'm not for being irresponsible as a child, but how many of you have ever heard of it takes a what? Village to raise a kid. Because that means that eventually your child's going to start tuning you out and they'll start listening for other voices. And if you haven't provided them, if you haven't given them freedom to spread their wings a little bit, the minute that they break free, they are going to run away because they have never been able to spread their wings. It's not all about you. It's not all for you. It is a stewardship. They are not your children. They're God's children that he has entrusted to you. Wow. If he entrusted them to you and to me, we'd better take it seriously. Amen? All right, so very quickly, here's what we want to see. Paul David Tripp, one more quote here. Parenting is a mission of mercy. Do your children need rules? Yes, they need rules, but rules cannot do anything to rescue and transform the heart of your child. This is what we sing about God. God is so graceful. He's so merciful. He's so wonderful. He loves me even though I've screwed up. All the things that we love about God and we talk about God and we praise God for, we turn around and abandon it when it comes to our own parenting. That does not make sense. If you know that that doesn't make sense, can I hear an amen in the chat and can I see a hand? It doesn't make sense, does it? It does not. And yet that's what we do. And so if that's the case, we need to rethink what we're doing. Okay, so very quickly, let's go back to what all parents want 
and talk about this. We want them to love God, love others, love themselves, come home when they don't have to. Then the next two are up here on this next slide. We know that this is what we want. We want them to make good choices when we're not around, reach the potential they have in their life. We talked about this a little earlier. How is that gonna get done? Let me just share a couple of things from a parental toolbox for you and for me in dealing with mercy. And I haven't forgotten, we are gonna talk about Hebrews chapter four in just a quick moment. Here's the parental toolbox for you and for me. It's right here. You've got to give them time Your child is not a finished product, nor will they be. My children are still developing and growing into young ladies that are totally different than when I first began to raise them. Why? Because over time they change, and that is so important. And let me just share with you, you and I need to talk to our kids. Don't yell at your kids. You don't need to do it. And the moment that you do it, just be aware that you're doing it from the wrong motivation And you're doing it in such a way that is pushing them away. Now, do I know that there is a time to yell and, you know, get upset about things that have happened in your kids' lives? Yeah, yeah, I do. But this is so important and so vital. If you believe that the only way that you can get through to your kids is by raising your volume, then you've missed the point. You've missed the point. And you may say, but I'm very, very angry at that moment. They've made me mad. They've done something wrong. Remember when we talked about ownership and it was all about you? Remember when we talked about ownership and it was all about you? And now here we are saying, but they made me mad. And it is not about you. It is about them. And how many of you have ever enjoyed it or benefited from it or wanted to grow closer to the person that got into your face and screamed at you and yelled at you and had no concept of understanding, you know what, this same conversation could happen at half the volume and with half the anger and 100% less of the spit, right? Right? You understand what I'm saying? Because the truth is, is that for us as parents, this is the thing that used to break me, used to break me. My parents spanked me, all right? So, I'm in therapy. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke, all right? I'm good. (laughs) And I love my parents more than almost anyone on this earth, okay? But here's what I know. Here's what used to break me. My mom could take a belt and whip me when I was a teenage boy. And yes, I still needed whippings when I was a boy that was a teenage boy. But she sometimes whipped me when I was a teenage boy. And I stood there and I took it. And not a single tear would come down out of my face because I was going to prove to her that she could not break me. I know that some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, I won't tell you about my dad because my dad did have a little better swing. So I'll just say I could handle it and I could take it. But for either one of them, they would sit me down and they would say, Randy, tell me what you did. Tell me why you did what you did. Tell me who you've hurt with what you did. (laughs) And it would absolutely break me down. And I would sit there and I would cry. And I would bawl like a baby. The the man, the, the little man that could take the beating with a belt couldn't handle it because They spoke to my spirit and said, Randy, what are you doing and why are you doing it and who's suffering for what you're doing? Now listen to me. If you're a parent who ever disciplines in anger, 
And by the way, your volume tells you where you're at in that most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. And if you're parenting in anger, which I have done before, and I continue to do still, this is something I'm still working on. We all are. But here's what I know. When we discipline in anger, it isn't effective. All that does is push them away from us. But if instead we can draw them close and say, you tell me what you've done. You tell me why you thought this was okay. You tell me what we ought to do as we go forward. You tell me the rule that you've broken. The thing is, is that those hearts begin to break and we begin to see our children and they begin to see themselves. And remember when we talked just a moment ago about what we want for our kids to police themselves? Can I tell you something? If you're not teaching them the principles, if they can't answer what they've done wrong, Without you answering what they've done wrong, you've taught them the rules, but you haven't taught them the principles. And let me just tell you something. Teach them the principles. You're welcome. Teach them the principles. You're welcome. Because eventually, you're not responsible for them learning the principles. Once they've told you the principles, once they've learned the principles, they are responsible for their own behavior. And when you're not around, they will still hear in the back of their mind the Spirit of God telling them, that's not okay. You can, but you shouldn't, so don't. If you're always there to crack the whip, if you're always there to wrap them on the knuckles and say, don't do that, then you will always have to be there to do that Or they won't listen to you when you're trying to convey that. It's so important and so vital. And tell them what is happening in your heart. This is so important. If you come off like you've got it all figured out, if you come off like you've never made a mistake, if you can't say to your child, I'm humble enough to say I screwed up and I did it wrong and I wish I would have done it a different way or wish I would have done it at a different time or whatever. If you can't do that, you are not parenting in the vein of mercy that we're talking about. Now, I know that my time is growing short and I want to make sure that we're covering these things But let me just step back to time, that very first one. You know what we figured out? I figured out that I could still spank my child in 10 minutes when I wasn't going to do it in anger. All right? You know what I figured out? I could still ground my child 30 minutes later when I wasn't doing it with me yelling at them for what they'd done and made me mad. By the way, still not about me or you. It's still always about the child, right? And here's what's great. I can still ground them in 30 minutes and I don't feel bad about it because it's a reasoned decision. It's a well thought out decision. I also don't have to go back and scream at them, you're grounded for the rest of your life and then somehow have to backtrack on that. I mean, maybe not the rest of your life, but just until you're 18. I know you're only six years old right now, but I know maybe that's a little bit too much. You know, like these are the kind of things that you look foolish doing. So don't look foolish. We had a spot. We had a spot designated in our house. Some of you have the exact same floor plan as we have at our house. And I could tell you that there's a timeout spot. You go and ask Tori, Taryn, and Tatum, go sit in the timeout spot. Do it totally separate. 24, 25, 20 years old. All of them will go to the timeout spot and they'll say, here it is right here. This is it. And we could also say, go get the spanking spoon. Yes, we used a spoon, all right? 
you know, yes, a spoon. It's kind of like a little plastic spoon. I promise it wasn't this long. It wasn't a boat or don't look at me like that and don't judge me, Christian people. But here's what we would do. We'd say, go sit in the timeout spot until I figure out what I want to do with you. Because <laughs> right now is not good for me to talk to you about what we, talk, we need to talk about. We'll get to it. You go think about what you've done and I'm going to cool off and then we'll have this discussion. You know what? Great parenting happens after the punishment, great parenting happens after the punishment, not during it. You be careful with what you're doing with the punishment. You've got time. This parental toolbox, let's flip this over. And if you're saying, well, I don't know how to parent with mercy. All I've ever done is parent in anger. All I've ever been parented in is anger and frustration and yelling and screaming. That's the only thing I know. Here's how you begin to parent with mercy. Your number one weapon, say, I'm sorry. You know what? When I said you were grounded for the rest of your life, I can't live up to that. And I'm sure not going to make you do that because you colored on the wall. You're six years old. I'm sorry that I freaked out. And now I shouldn't have. And I'm sorry. We're still going to punish you for that because that's not acceptable. But I'm not going to freak out and ground you for 12 years for coloring on the wall. So I'm sorry. One of the most effective things that you can ever say to your children is I was wrong and I am sorry. Change your relationship with your kids when you begin to say that. You could even say to them, you know what, if I could go back, I would. You know what, when I yelled at you, if I could go back and do that different, I would. <laughs> How many of you have ever yelled at your spouse? Don't you dare raise your hand right now. Don't you dare. And if you're at home, don't you dare look at them. Some of you have yelled at them before you came to church today, and I'm going to pray for y'all, all right? <laughs> Here's the truth. We've all done it. We've all lost our head. We've all yelled. We've all wished we could have done it or handled it different. And you know when healing comes in? When you say, if I could go back, little 12-year-old child, if I could go back and not yell when I was frustrated with something else and it got poured out on you, if I could go back, I would. I can't. So will you please forgive me? This is how you parent in mercy and not in the law alone. And you can also say to your child, well, here's what I was trying to do. You know, I'm trying my very best to make sure that you understand that your phone is not your best friend. I know that you don't like that. And then we got in that shouting match. I'm sorry. I wish I could go back and do it different. If I could, I would, but I can't, so I won't. But here's what I was trying to do. I was trying to tell you that, you know what? When your sister needs your help and is crying and you'd rather watch a YouTube video, something's wrong and broken there. And so I'm trying to make sure that you got it right. I want you to grow up as the right kind of person. And this is what I was trying to do. See how mercy works? You don't even have to. This is the best part of mercy. This is the best part of mercy. You don't have to get it perfect every time in that very moment. You can go back and you can let mercy flow. And it can change everything and the dynamic of your relationships, including your children and your parenting. But you've got to be willing to step up, sacrifice yourself a little bit, and be willing to say you're sorry and deal in mercy. And you can go even further and you look at your child and say, all right, so what can we do going forward? They're like, well, you could begin by raising my allowance to $150 a week. And they're like, all right, look, hold on, hold on. We're not doing that. We're not. But going forward, let's be honest, what can we do? Well, you could let me stay out till 1, 1 a.m. No, you're seven years old. That's not going to happen, right? 
We're going to let me play video games every single day as much as I want. No, 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 no. I'm trying to make you a better person than what video games will make you, right? So that's not happening, but we can maybe make a compromise. By the way, if you found something non-negotiable, stand there. When we dealt with our kids, we had TV time limits, movie time limits. We had online time limits. We also had rules about the phone, where it went and where it didn't come, where it went and didn't go. We'll talk about that in the parenting class. That's a plug, shameless plug. You should be there. Here's what I know. Some of you are thinking to yourself, Randy sounds awful lot like permissive parenting. I get it. I hear what you're saying in your own head. I want to share two things with you very quickly, and I want you to hear them, and then we're going to talk about how God parents us from Hebrews chapter 4. Don't miss this. This is the thing you don't miss. Your child hears how you use the phrase, I'm not perfect, as an expression of confession or an excuse of convenience. We've all said, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. That's an excuse of convenience. Or you can look at your child in the eye and say, baby, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it in that way. Too much anger, too much yelling. And yes, I'm sorry. I did spit on you a little bit because I was yelling so much. Here's the deal. I am not perfect. I'm still learning this stuff. That's the expression of confession versus the excuse of convenience. You guys see the difference, right? Your children are not dumb. They know. The only people that you're fooling is yourself. Don't fool yourself and don't be the last to know. You can use this, I'm not perfect, but it better come from here and it will draw them. Or if you use it in the way that makes you feel great about it and you don't feel any kind of problem with it, it will literally repel your kids and they will go away and go, mom and dad don't care about me. They don't care how it lands. They don't care how it feels on this side. All they feel is they want to be justified. And yeah, I'm talking about permissive parenting. Come back to this. How about Romans chapter 4, or 2, verse 4, where God's word literally says, do you not understand that is God's kindness, which leads us to what? Repentance. There was even a song that we used to sing around here all the time. It's your kindness, Lord, which leads us to repentance. Can I tell you something? You want to break the spirit of sin in your child's life. You treat them with grace and mercy and love. And you welcome them back with a hug instead of a list of rules that they've broken and a list of consequences and a whip in this hand. You'd better be wise and you better find the balance. But it is your kindness as a parent that will lead them to love you. And say, you know what? My mom, my dad, they see that I'm not perfect. They see the broken pieces of me, and yet they love me anyway. They identify with me anyway. They don't shun me anyway. They pull me close, and it is your kindness, Lord, which leads us to repentance. It is the kindness that will draw your child. It is the mercy that you show that will change them and change their heart. Very quickly, we talked about what the parents want, and we don't have to go back. I, I share those twice, but listen very closely to Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16, which I referenced earlier, and then we talk about how these things, parenting with mercy and what it looks like. We don't have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who had been tempted in every way, just as we were, and yet he did not sin. Stop for just a second. Stop for just a second. Jesus, if all he was doing was 
laying down his life as a perfect sacrifice for sin. You know how long that took? One day, half of a day on Good Friday, and then time in the tomb, three days max, three-day job, three-day job, that's it. He won over sin, won over death, won over hell in a three-day job. You and I both know that he lived here for 33 plus years on this earth. Why did he do that? So we as his children would grasp where you are, he has been. Where you are dealing with problems, he knows. And not just, yeah, I think I understand that. No, 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 no. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it with you, child. I've been there when sexual temptation hit. I've been there when anger seemed uncontrollable. I've been there when depression seemed so low that I couldn't find a way out. I've been there. I've walked in those sandals that you're walking in. Right? 33-year job versus a three-day job. (laughs) Big difference. So because he walked just like we walked, we don't have a high priest that can't figure it out with us, that doesn't feel us when we're dealing with problems. But instead, it goes on in verse 16, because of that, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our greatest times of need. Very quickly, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing this to a close. Parenting with mercy means these three things very quickly. Number A is we instill confidence in our kids. Notice this. Who is approaching with confidence? It's the children are approaching the throne of grace where their father is. If you want your children to have confidence, you treat them with this kind of grace because they will have confidence that's never before. That's how we instill confidence. Secondly, we are more approachable than you could ever believe because they know we're going to get the truth, but we're also going to get love and acceptance. And so then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We already talked about that. And then just very quickly, number three, we impact them in the time of their biggest need so that we may receive mercy and grace to find help for us in our time of need. I have shared this with you before. And I will share it with you again today. I have told my children, they've said, well, I can find somebody else who will do that for me, Dad. I I will find somebody else who will come and pick me up on the side of the road, Dad. I will find somebody else. I have a friend who will and all that stuff. Most of the time, you know what I tell them? I say, no, baby, I'll come. No, baby, I'm going to do it. No, baby, I'll figure that out. And I'm not trying to be the person who does it all. But here's what I'm trying to convey to my kids. If you have a huge need, if you have a big need, the first face that I want you to see is mine. I want my kids to know that no matter how bad it gets, the first face that should come across their mind is their dad's face. And it doesn't mean I'm permissive. It just means that I want them to know they are always my children And nothing's going to change that. No matter what they do, no matter how disappointed or hurt I might be, we will make it through because they're my children and nothing changes that. I want mine to be the first face that comes across their mind. And the only way I can do that is if I treat them with mercy and grace and love. So don't miss this very quickly as we draw this to a close. You must guide your child with rules, but you can only reach your child 
with grace and mercy. If you want to reach your child, if you feel that they are distant, you can only do it through grace and mercy, not with rules. Here's how you apply this message very quickly. Identify where you are and where you lean in balancing mercy and the law in your parenting interactions. You guys understand what I'm saying? Probably most of you in here know that you probably lean a little towards mercy as a parent or a little more towards law. You know, this is the rule, nothing changes it, or whatever goes, right? And so anywhere in between. But here's what I would say. Probably one of the best ways to know how that works for you is if your first concern is, oh, they're going to be upset or, oh, they're going to be mad or, I know this is going to be a problem, and it's right here in the immediate moment, you probably lean a little too close to mercy. And you might need to inject a little bit more law and rule in there to have the, the properly balanced child. But if you are a person who leans towards the law, you may be saying to yourself, it probably is a voice inside that you say, well, you know what, they broke the rules and so this is what has to happen. If you find yourself thinking that or thinking the other, you kind of know where you fall on this spectrum. And the way that you find balance is when you can actually truly affect your children. So wherever you fall on that line, you be wise enough as a parent to understand that you've got to find the balance of the two in order to reach your child and keep your child close as God does and yet still give them the structure that they need to fly and to, and to, to win in life. So very quickly, this second I apply by, if you're a person who leans towards mercy, you probably need to have a conversation about the rules, right? You just need to say, hey, listen, um, we got in slack on this thing, but here's what's going to happen. No more phones at your, you know, wherever. All right. No more, no more internet after whatever. No more spending all day on your video games. We've gotten to the place where we haven't been enforcing it. We're going back to that. We're having this conversation so you know, right? Or a commitment to find places to forgive. You know, you, you have that mercy. You say to yourself, I, I've got to find a place to forgive them. Or what do you lean towards the law? You may say, well, we need to have a conversation about love. Hey, listen, just because I'm enforcing this rule, don't, it does not mean that I don't love you. Or you might have to be a person who says, I gotta be more committed than ever to follow through. If you're one of those who you know, says, ah, I, I gotta be very careful that I don't follow through on every single thing that I could have done, you, know? you gotta be very careful that your commitment to follow through is there, but it's balanced. Now, I've prepared something, and it's very, very interesting. And again, it's the guy with the glasses and the mustache. It's a short mini-movie I think that you will find really powerful. I think it will be a blessing to you, and I hope that you'll check it out. It's just a couple of minutes, but I think it'll bless you. Let me give you the model here. Here's how it works. I'm going to repeat this a couple times to make sure that you get it. If your eyes ever see and your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, and failure of your children, it's never an accident. It's never a hassle. It's never an interruption. It's always grace. God loves that child. He's put him in a family of faith. And he will reveal the need of that child to you so you can be a tool of his transforming mercy. Let me say that again. If your eyes ever see 
and your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, and failure of your children. It's never an accident. It's never an interruption. It's never a hassle. It's always grace. God loves that child. He's put him in a family of faith, and he will reveal the need of that child to you so you can be a tool of his rescue and transformation. Parents, there's a way in which it makes no sense to get mad because your children need parenting. Because every time you're called into action, you're called in action because God loves your child. He loves your boy. He loves your girl. And he has revealed the need, the danger of that child so you can be part of his rescue and his transformation. You see, you are his ambassador. What is the only thing an ambassador ever does? Represent. Listen, you're the look on God's face. You're the tone of his voice. You're the touch of his hand. God makes his invisible mercy visible by sending parents of mercy to give mercy to children who need mercy. That's the, the agenda. That's the plan. Every time you have to deal with rebellion every time you have to deal with back talking every time you have to deal with disobedience every time you have to deal with resistance every time it's grace it's mercy it's an opportunity it's a joyful good thing because oh you get yet another opportunity before this child is out of the home and on his own to be part of this work of rescue that God would do it's a good thing it's a good thing it's a good thing it's a good thing and just wanted to just remind remind you and remind myself as a parent that we don't own our kids but we're stewards to our kids and it's you know you think about it our responsibility is so important God has given us and entrusted us his precious children and he's done that for us to care for the well-being of our children spiritually emotionally and physically but what's most important is how we care for our children spiritually our primary and most important purpose is to teach our children about Jesus when we do that right God rewards us you know, Paul says in Ephesians 6, he, he talks about us not provoking our children to anger. And that's when we're yelling at our kids or getting frustrated or thinking about how we feel versus, as Pastor taught us, being calm and talking to our kids, finding the time. And Paul further talks about disciplining them, bringing it up and discipline and instruction onto God. And why is that so important? Everything we do as a parent is to help our kids see Jesus. How we show up, how we, re how we behave is to help our kids see Jesus.
And so I just want to say a quick prayer to all the parents out there. And uh, then we'll end. Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just want to thank you. And I want to just honor you and worship you and exalt you for being our God. And I thank you, God, for giving us and entrusting us with the precious children that you've given us. And we ask you, Lord, Father, to help us realize and know as parents that we must slow down to go fast. We must slow down and listen to you and ask you and seek you out, Lord, Father, and in how we instruct our kids and how we guide them. Help us be wise as parents in regards to how we talk to our kids, helping instill principles in them versus just rules and regulations. Help us be merciful and help us have grace just as you did. Lord Father, help us be more like you and how you have mercy and grace towards us so that we may have the same for our kids. Forgive us as parents, Lord, for the mistakes that we've made. And give us, Lord Father, an opportunity to seek you to help us transform inside to be better parents. And help our kids, Lord Father, understand, Lord Father, that we're a work in progress as parents. And that we don't have the answer, but if we seek you, all will go well. We thank you, God. We thank you for loving us for forgiving us, for your mercy and your grace. In the name of Jesus, amen. You just heard God's word. Let's go and live it. Thank you.